Welcome aboard the Flight Attendant Podcast. The seatbelt sign is on. It's going to be a rough ride. the flight attendant podcast i am b and i am being joined today by my new co-host uncle josie yay hey. so he and i have been friends for about 10 years yes and he just uh recently became a flight attendant um uh, I, just, I would say like three years that's not recently but okay <laughs> i mean it could have been sooner but you decided uh. not to We'll just not get into that right now. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we're going to be back. We have a lot of fun stuff planned for the upcoming episodes. And uh, let's just get into some news right now. Did you hear that we at O'Hare are going to be able to get the vaccine now? I heard something. I haven't found any more information about it. Um it was briefly talking actually my last last flight, um, but the other flight attendants they didn't have uh, more information more than just a rumor, I guess. Well, but it's it's no longer a rumor. I mean, it's starting Thursday, which is tomorrow. Any transport or transportation workers can get COVID nineteen vaccinations at the O'Hare Airport, which is going to be at the Hilton in Chicago O'Hare, which is literally right across the street then it's going to be open to all transit workers and they will administer over 2000 vaccines per week. And first responders and security workers can get vaccinated on Friday and other employees will have a chance on Monday. All employees that are here and Midway airports will be eligible as well as transportation workers and taxi and rideshare drivers. So that's actually really, really, really good news because right now a lot of our flight attendants aren't based in, or even though they're based in Chicago, they're not able to get the vaccine because they don't live in Cook County. Correct. Which is ridiculous because us as first responders in the air, like we have to have that, you know, like that coverage for our mm-hmm. health. And not only that, we've been fighting for this for like the beginning of like, we knew the vaccine was coming. We've been asking and we've been trying to, get a knowledge as first responders, which has been part of the issue. Right. The, the definition of flight attendant is, is still so in the shadows that it needs to be defined. And, and I think this is a good way and a good thing that it's happening. Now. Right. And then United and American Airlines are setting up their own vaccination cleaning clinic for their employees. So they will start vaccinating employees 65 and older or members of flight crews. So for those of you who are not aware, flight crews only pertains to the pilots because flight attendants are crew members or cabin crew. Um, And then American is opening up vaccination to all employees, starting with those that interact with the public first. So those would be like your gate agents and um, your luggage couriers and all that stuff. And then this is through Johnson and Johnson. So the airline workers will get the new one shot Johnson and Johnson vaccine beginning on Thursday. So that's today, March 5th, which by the time this airs, 
it's going to be live already. So that's good. Have you heard any news that you have been interested in? Uh, yes. However, I'm not very interested on it, but it's in the back of my head is Texas lifting the ban on the mask and that 100% capacity on, on restaurants and other business. That's kind of worrisome, especially for us, because I think we have we have finally on a place where everybody's complying on the planes. We are not fighting so much. We're still fighting over it, but not as much as we, we used to. Now this is probably going to give a reason to those flights to that state. A little bit more challenging. Have you heard anything oh, yeah. about that? Text. I actually I haven't researched it in in depth, but <laughs> I know that Jim, being in Texas, is super excited about this uh, mask ban, <laughs> mask <track> being lifted. <laughs> but did you find any information about like what that all that entitled with the mask in Texas? No, no I like I said, I, 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 it's more of the disappointment that I just don't want to even read about. Obviously, I will go look into more into it. But did you? Well, you just flew out of Texas yesterday. Just, did you? Yeah, yeah. How was that? Um, I think it's because it feels so new, and people are still on the mind of, of being compliant and everything. It went smoothly, surprisingly. But I know that for, with with time, and once people start getting the the feel of, of you know, I don't have to worry anymore. We might go back a little bit a little bit back in time that yeah i figured so okay so i've been part of like this podcast group on instagram and i asked them what would be some questions um that you could ask or that you would ask a flight attendant or yeah a flight attendant that you were interested about the airline industry so they came up with some really good questions that jim is going to read for us and for those uh, of you that have been listening to us, Jim is our sound engineer and music composer. I've known him for, I don't know, like 12 years, 13, 15. I want to say it was 12 years. 12 years. On the fact that it was, <laughs> we met like right around the time Planet of the Dead came out. <laughs> right. Like, I think that was the first thing that we talked about. Like, oh, my God, this is coming and yay. So, yeah, I'm going to say 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. So Jim and I, along with with Uncle Josie, we're actually really huge Doctor Who fans. So that's how we connected. And then he composed our song, which is amazing. And then, oh, my gosh. And then my favorite doctor, David Tennant. Um, anyway, so I asked Jim to um read out these questions for us and then uncle josie and i will be answering them to the best of our ability and knowledge so the first thing that i have here is a block of several questions <laughs> would you like me to read all of them out and then address them or go one at a time let's do one at a time yeah i'd love to hear your craziest customer stories good or bad Worst experience or incident have you ever had to deal with a dangerous situation? Okay. So, Uncle Josie? I, I don't have anything dangerous or anything. And, um, and if it comes to like crazy customer, every day there's something crazy happening. However, one of the ones that I remember the most is when I had three health emergencies in, in cabin 
and it was on a 319. So it's a crew of three people. So one of each was taking care of one uh, passenger at a time. So three totally separate incidents? Three different separate incidents in one flight. I remember in one flight. And it was a long flight, too. So uh, here we are, three flight attendants taking care of three different people at the same time. It was very challenging, but we managed. B, B has more experience because B's been <laughs> longer than, than I have on the, in the business. So. so, hey, Jim, is this the one from um, the one that's being asked by the court case? Is that the question that you're looking Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this one specifically for Sweetie, she she's she's uh, one of the co-hosts at the court case, which is an awesome air, um, podcast, and she wants to be a flight attendant. So, um, so I've had some crazy crazy ones where, especially going to Orlando, parents don't like to clean mm. up after their kids. So you're walking off. <laughs> so you're walking off the plane, and it's like dirty everywhere. Um, I've actually had to. I've had to restrain someone with the flex cuffs because they were trying to open up one of the doors mid-flight, which, first of all, you can't do. But just because they attempted to, then we kind of had to restrain them and handcuff them on the aircraft. Let's see what else. Uh, I've had awesome experiences with kids when I have unaccompanied minors. They love most of them they love asking questions they <laughs> and uncle josie notes this like he just love like the kids they're like oh what is what what's this what's that button how do you do this and then but i did have one particular he was like the cutest little thing throughout the whole flight he just wanted to be talking and so at the end he goes like oh i wish i could talk on the on the speaker like you and so then I was like, sure. And I was like, say goodbye or something. And he was like, be safe, everyone. Wear your masks and wash your hands. It was the cutest thing. So, you know, and then we just kind of deal with them step depending on. Huh? Good parents. (laughs) Right. Good parents. Exactly. Uh, We just depending on the situation, whether we have to cut someone off because they're too drunk or because, you know, where they're having a medical emergency it's it just depends case by case so i really hope that um that answered your question sweet tea she has a few more how did you personally deal with the change in body clock and constant long hours i just adapt i guess so for me i try to stay um since i'm based in chicago i try to stay as much as i can in my time zone so that i don't have to change my, you know, like going forward one hour, going back two hours so that my body isn't feeling the jet lag. But if I do, I'll just kind of readjust accordingly. Like when I have to work red eyes, I'll make sure that I stay up until about two or three. And then I just sleep the rest of the day and then, you know, go after that. What about you? Yeah. Red red eyes are the most brutal for me. I I think I'm a little bit more of a night person. So, but once it hits certain points, especially like you start seeing the sun from the plane, that's where your body's like, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, um, I try to get to the hotel after the red eye 
and I take a nap and then I force myself to wake up and then trying to catch up back to that like Chicago time zone trying to because if I if I sleep the whole entire day then I try to go back to sleep on a night then I'm gonna be up and, and so it's kind of tricky I think it's it's mostly trying to f try to find uh, that rhythm depending because it's not constant so it depends on the flight and what you have the next day I think that's, that's what also I very by. true that's what I go by, like what I have the next going on the next day and, and what I can do to make it best for me. I think for me, whenever I've come back from a red eye into base, I have to take that day. Even though it feels like an extra day off, it takes me about 24 hours to just get my circuit, my circadian rhythm back. Yeah, it, it definitely, once we come back to base, it takes a while, especially since we're home, our mentality completely changes. Oh, for like, sure. I don't have to do anything. I'm sleeping. <laughs> we have two more questions from the same person. The first one is, uh, what's your favorite part of the job? I think for me, it's the fact that even though we're on the plane, every flight is so different. And every experience that we have is so different. And as much as I sometimes like to complain about some of our passengers, because let's face it, not all of them are a ray of sunshine. Um, it's always really good when you come into contact with it, with somebody that's like it's their first flight or they're really, truly just interested in what you do. I love sitting in my jump seat and I love it when passenger asks me questions like, do you like your job or like what's the best aspect of your job or like how do you open in an emergency like asking me questions on how to get out of the aircraft in an emergency um i agree i have to like the some of the passengers you know we, they they're challenging but i think that's like with anything customer service wise but i do like when when we get that passenger that is like super nice, very understanding, has questions, trying to find a conversation with us, very respectful. I, I do like that and, and the benefits of flying. <laughs> Cause I got my first experience like not too long ago, like enjoying my benefits of flying. So that's still like very new for me. It actually was with, uh, with B. Got yeah. To, for the first time for me and i think that's mostly what it keeps me going because i know popped your cherry because i know i'll be back with a pop cherry this time <laughs> <laughs> all right and the final question from that particular group of them is uh what was the training process like so it's just a lot of information thrown at you at once and it just it you just kind of have to make sure that you sleep and make sure not even that you sleep but that you rest properly and that you're alert and that you kind of just focus on what you're there for because everything else will that you can that you can't intake at training you will learn once you're on the job yeah the training training is a very intense process it you have to think we trained for four to five weeks, I believe. Um, Just about. And, yeah, and it's a lot of rules. It's a lot of, of information. You have to learn the ins and out of the emergency equipment and emergency procedures. 
And it get they tried their best to like not only just learn it to engrave it so it stays there. You can use it once you are on that first flight. If something is to happen, you are prepared for it. But the the resting, I think one of the biggest lessons that I got from from there, and I guess it, it goes back to the the whole circadian rhythm. My training was in the second class, so we were kind of midday and uh, and then we finish at night. So my my bigger mistake at the beginning was I was studying late at night, and I didn't realize that I have all the time availability in the morning. So what I started doing was just going to bed as soon as I got there from from the class. And actually waking up earlier to start studying. And I, and I think that works so they can start giving us that the taste of, of what it's going to be like. Uh, we have questions from the SUSFU podcast. Uh, there's a couple of them in here as well. First one is, you find it unsociable being away from friends and family for periods at a time. It's... I would, I wouldn't say I'm social, but um, I'm I'm a very social person. I I like people around me, but there are some times where I do also require my time alone, and we do get sometimes up to four days kind of by ourselves. But in, in reality, we're not really by ourselves. Um, we have a crew, especially if you have a crew that is good. We we do our best to at least have dinner together. One thing about the crew is like we, or flight attendants actually in general, we understand we have that mutual understanding. So we all get, we we look out for each other most of the time. If you if we talk about like birthdays and holidays and stuff like that, yeah, it it depends on what you celebrate. Also, what is important, I think, giving priorities to those celebrations and then trying to get those days off. It's dual. You can you can do it. I think. Uh, for me, do I find it unsociable? It can be just because you might not know the crew that you're working with, but it it is also really good because sometimes you do need that time for yourself, mm-hmm. as Uncle Josie said. And I just can't. Sometimes I can't get rest at home because I have to run errands or I have you know things that I have to do at home. So it's always really good to have a balance of knowing when you can and can't be sociable. Good lessons to live by. All right. Our second question from that particular group of questions. What's the best place you've been to and how long do you get to stay in each place? For work? I think I think Lima was pretty cool. I also like Portland and San Diego. And then it just depends. I was in Lima for about 24 hours. San Diego for like 35 hours and then Portland it was super quick only 16 hours but we used to stay right around the corner from a taco or not a taco truck but like a a food truck parking lot and so like I got tacos and grape leaves for like 12 bucks like a whole bunch of them B I have to ask does your answer (laughs) have anything to do with a certain television show that used to be shot there Kinda. I do love Portland. Josie? I, one of my favorite places for work is San Diego, but I haven't had much 
experience like with long layovers um so san diego for now is like my top place to be for work of course and for not work <laughs> paris <laughs> i have did you did you really enjoy paris more than london i did i did not that i didn't i think i just think we need to do london again that's definitely well london that, needed that, to be more days it has to be more days because landing there, we lost that that day, and then that trip to Stonehenge, and then that too. that extra nap that we took. <laughs> yeah, because I think that was the part of the jet lag situation. Getting there was, so I think we need to extend that London. Maybe do an exclusive London. London or, trip. Yeah. Right. I liked Scotland for non-work my leisure trip, but I definitely want to go back to England. Oh, and I want to go to Cardiff just so that I can go stand in front of the, Jim knows what I'm talking about. I mean, you do too, you know, for... in front of Torchwood. Yeah. Entrance. <laughs> oh, the Torchwood entrance. All right. I, I love that Barrowman often goes back there almost every time he's back in Cardiff he'll sneak down there and take a selfie of himself there I know I see it all the time when I'm on it on you know I see it on Facebook or whatever all right our final question in that group is have you ever been scared for your safety on a flight I think for me was when I had my emergency landing about 10 years ago, when I first started flying, this was when I took, when, before I realized the seriousness of my job description was to be there for the safety of the passengers because we had to do an emergency landing. Thankfully, it wasn't an evacuation, but it put a lot of stuff into perspective for me. I haven't had a, an emergency situation, but I do have an experience with really bad turbulence and it triggered a fume event in my cabin, in the, the flight uh, cabin. So we were landing in, uh, going to Kansas City, I think, but turbulence was so, so badly. I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty big guy and I was jumping out of my seat, jump seat, even with my harness on. That put a lot in my head, especially when I was when my mind switched to surviving mode and I went through everything I learned in training because it felt so bad that I um I feared a little bit that that day. I trusted the captains anyways; they're trained for that kind of situation. But um, yeah, but that thing was the closest thing that I have. I mean, you know, emergency emergency landings or evacuations aren't the only serious part of our jobs. We have sure. medical we have medical emergencies that we have to deal with sometimes. We also have, you know, turbulence is very serious. A lot of flight attendants have gotten hurt that way because they're not strapped properly or a passenger needs their assistance, so we have to get up and help them. And that's endangering our job. Or I'm sorry, our lives in itself. And that's part of our job. This question is directly related to that last one. Do you ever get scared during turbulence, but you keep your cool because you don't want to scare passengers or do you just get so used to it? 
<laughs> to me, for me, it's actually kind of like a, it's like a 50-50 or not even 50-50 because I actually enjoy turbulence. It puts me to sleep. It's the only time when, uh, whether, when I'm not working that I can actually sleep on the plane. It rocks me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how to answer that question <laughs> other than that. Yeah, I mean, besides that day, I haven't hit turbulence hard enough for me to actually be scared. But yeah, turbulence does put you to sleep, though. It does. I have met flight attendants who don't don't like turbulence. So it's not just everybody loves it. It's just for me and for Uncle Josie, like it puts us to sleep and the majority of the flight attendants, it puts... And you get used to it. You get used to it. Like, so I guess you lose the fear of it because ha- when it happens so often. Right. And it, it, and it happens especially... It, well, it happens all the time, but it happens also in like when the weather is starting to change where you go from from like Chicago to Florida when you hit that, you know, from the cold to hot winds coming in, when you go over Denver, any time of the year, landing in Vegas, the worst, the worst that I've, that I've experienced, experienced turbulence is landing into Colorado Springs because it's, that's literally all, you know, it's all turbulence all the way down. Denver is always like that too. I wonder if it's a psychosomatic thing, like with weighted blankets, where once you get used to it, it's like your brain feels like you're being rocked back and forth. Like, yeah, I have a weighted blanket. I love it. It's also extremely hot. All right. We, we have a couple of questions here that uh, I feel like you guys have answered in a couple of your other answers. So I'm going to skip ahead to some different ones. I'm sure you'll both uh, agree with this one. Uh, it's from Mystery Host. And the question is, why won't they let me tip them? I know y'all don't get paid while the doors are open, so I'm trying to be nice. LMFAO. <laughs> so it is true. We are not getting paid while we're boarding and deplaning. So the rule of thumb is we're not allowed to get tipped, but we're also not supposed to refuse it. So I'll, I'll say like, no, thank you. And if they continue to, you know, if they say it again, I'm not going to say no. It just like it, but I guess it also depends on the airline that you're flying with. Um, because I do know that some airlines do frown upon that. But I mean, the most, the, the best tip I've gotten was about $50 from one person. So I was like, yay, I get to drink tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I've gotten tape, I believe. Um, most of the time I refuse it, um, but they offer it most like to other flight attendants. I just don't know. I guess I'm, I'm still a little bit like concerned of what the, <laughs> if I'm going to get in trouble or not. So if you, if, if, if you want like a tip or if you want to tip your flight attendants and they're wearing an apron, just like put the money in the apron and then forget about it. Or insist a lot. <laughs> or just don't even say here it is just like just reach out your hand with the dollar or whatever you have in your hand and then just like set it down and walk away yeah yeah that's been mostly what how my tips end up they they come to me and they put it on the counter after we're done with service and they walk away i'm like okay well 
It's mine now. Exactly. <laughs> no one's encouraging passengers to act like drug dealers in full. <laughs> full disclosure. <laughs> Nobody's recommending that. <laughs> Right. I actually had I actually had somebody the other day. It's like here is like buy yourself a shot like with me right now, and I was like, I'm working. I can't drink. Sorry, sorry. From the same person, uh, my friend is a flight attendant. She said, "They oh, never mind. It's about tipping." Well, <laughs> finish reading it. It says, "My friend is a flight attendant." She said, "They can't take it, but if you insist, they will." And it has never worked, LOL, and I look like a jackass. Mystery host, just put it in the apron. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Uh, did you answer how long does training last when we talked about training? We, t- we talked about how ours last, but there's different. So different airlines have different ones. So if you, I know that Delta um, has... Or actually, most of like Delta United and American, they have so many different planes. So they have to spend extra time on each aircraft. And then they also spend time on um, on service. So they'll do like, they'll do one plane and then they'll, they'll go actually on that plane and work on that, like that one plane, a couple of legs or, a, you know, a trip or whatever. And then they'll go back to the training center and then they'll do like another aircraft and then they go back on the plane. And then, so those airlines, because they have like a full service in the cabin, they'll spend more time with service. Whereas like with Frontier and like Spirit and, you know, they don't do as much training for service because they're more safety related airlines. Uh, It could go from four weeks. It could go up to like, from four weeks up to like 12 weeks, depending on the airline that you're working for. We have one question. Actually, it, it's another group of questions, but they're all tied into the same subject. So I'm just going to go read the whole thing. There, yeah. Okay. This is from Memento Mori. Okay. And it says, I always wanted to be a flight attendant. My questions would be, how do you get started? How do you get chosen to train for that kind of work? What can give you the best chances of being hired? Okay, so uh, the first one, how do you get started? You just, there's uh, a lot of groups on Facebook that, that, are, that are constantly updating, like this airline's hiring, that airline's hiring, regionals, mainline, ULCC ultra low cost carriers, charter, you know, charter uh, airline airlines and all that stuff. So if you go onto Facebook and then I think flight, uh, flight attendant career connection is one. If you like look up like flight attendant um, jobs, I'm sure you'll be able to find like different groups that are constantly just telling everybody who's hiring at that time. Now there's, from there, it's kind of really up to you on getting hired. But a lot of airlines have open invitations for interviews. So it's like an open interview and anybody can come. And then from there, you just kind of have to make sure that you follow the instructions to the T. If they say, take one step to the left, you take one step to the left. If they say, I need your name, 
where you're from and your favorite color, like don't add, um, you know, my favorite color is blah, because blah, 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 just your favorite color. Like they don't want anything else because mostly what they're looking for is not the answer, but how you follow instructions. Uncle Josie? Actually, if you are, if you are focused on specific airlines or uh, companies, they're, they're now pretty good at posting their, their jobs on their websites versus back in the day when I very, very first started and trying to, or thinking about becoming in a, either a pilot or a flight attendant, there was no, no connection that he, like, that is something that I swept under the rug. So it took me a long time for me to catch up with time. And if it wasn't because of B, I probably wouldn't be a flight attendant now because it's something that I completely forgot. But yeah, nowadays it's kind of easy to find uh, the job postings. You have to, I feel like you, a lot of people have to start getting involved in it. For me, it helped me that B went to training and spent her uh, reserve life basically living in my house. I did. Um, and I got to hear and I got familiar. So once I went for my interview, it, it, it was easy for me. But if you don't have information or you don't have any idea, I, it could get tricky. So I say, Try to find information, trying to like, what is the companies about? What are their, their, their goals? What Become the company, show them how much you want to, to be a flight attendant. Um, be yourself. A, a, a personality also can take you long, long way. I mean, be yourself up to a point, like be yourself professionally. Correct. (laughs) Yes. Don't, don't, you know, if you like to party on the weekends, that's great and all, but don't be that yourself. Yeah. Be your professional self. Um, Um, One thing I will say, like those flight, flight attendant schools, they really don't do anything as far as like trying, as far as like getting you through the door. Because the company that you apply for will train you the way that they want. And if you go to a flight attendant school, you're wasting money because they're not going to help you get hired anywhere. And it's interesting because I didn't know that that existed. I didn't know that that was a thing until later on. But yeah, I want to add and emphasize their follow the directions. Follow directions. If they told you to drop on the floor and do three twirls on the floor, you do that. And when you get up, do not say ta-da, because that will probably get you out. Right. Follow the instructions to the T. Yes. And yes. <laughs> That's all of our questions. That's it. Oh, wow. Those were some really, really good questions. Thanks to the uh, to my podcast group on Instagram. A little shout out to them. I'll say who all of them are so that we can start following them. If you haven't listened to them, we have the bad council and that they're a a group of three guys and they answer. I've, I've talked about them before. They answer questions very in a hilarious way. The court case that's uh, James court and sweet tea. They're based out of the UK. 
uh, Grabalicious, Keeping It Cento. This, these are two sisters, and they just talk about like how they would handle certain subjects, you know, as sisters do. Memento Mori, that's a murder podcast, mystery host, the Quips and Dips podcast. She just talks about everyday like relationships or whatever comes to her mind. The Susfu podcast. They're a dark comedy podcast. And we have two minds, too many options, and what I'm mad about today. Oh, and chaotic neutral podcast so those are some of the some of the questions that came in from this week to start us off (laughs) (laughs) so i think that's it for this week unless you have anything else to say are you reading or watching any shows uncle josie i mean all the tv shows that i've been watching they're because of turkey so Mm. mostly Actually, American Gods. I'm being it's a good. Into, yeah, because you have stars and you won't share. And uh, and uh, One Division. One Division. One Division. I got into that one. The first like two episodes, like okay, what is this all about? What's gonna happen? <laughs> and then the third episode and on, it's just been like, whoa, what's happening? In a good way. Jeff, what are you watching? So good. Love One Division. HBO. Even the first episode, I liked it because it's more of my my quirky style. But for what I was expecting, the superhero um, TV show was just like, this is not superhero like. And then it's just like it built up and quickly. What are you, were you going to say, Jim, before Uncle Josie? Really? Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was going to say HBO Max just recently did The Impossible and did something fans of that show have been hoping for for a long time, which was an HD remaster of Babylon 5. And I've been re-watching that show and just kind of enjoying not having to squint at it because I can see (laughs) everything. Uh, It's beautiful and, you know, fantastic writing. Uh, I really, obviously, as I told you, I absolutely enjoyed The Flight Attendant. I thought that was, while a little overdone, uh, fantastic. It was fun to watch. Michelle Gomez surprised me because I hated Missy, as I know you did. Um, but you know what, though? I liked I liked Missy as if Missy had been its own character. Can yeah, you talk about this? Yeah, absolutely. I I don't hate Missy for being Missy. It's just we don't have to get into that. Yeah, let's just not. Let's just <laughs> that'll take. I do like Michelle Gomez as an as an actress. Um, yeah, I like Michelle Gomez as an actress. Me too. She's fantastic. Uh, Kaylee Cuoco surprised me. I mean, I've seen her. In a I've bunch heard of good. Pr- I've heard. Good- I'm just used to her being do do Penny. Right. Uh, <laughs> And she was really good. Everybody on the show was fantastic. The acting was on par. Yeah, I'm not, I'm actually really not watching anything new. I've been just rewatching Criminal Minds, Leverage, NCIS, Doc, old, or I should say David Tennant, Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah, a few other things. But again, just rewatched. Rewatches. Well, and I guess uh, Bridgerton, the most recent one that I actually watched. Oh, 
Bridgerton. Yeah, Bridgerton was a good one. Yeah, that was really, really good. Uh, the third season of Star Trek Discovery. I, I yeah. know a lot of people don't like that show because they found it to be not Star Trek enough. And, you know, that's fine. You know, uh, everything's subjective when it comes to your taste and entertainment. But my goodness, that third season, every episode was just a knock straight out of the park. Uh, they're absolutely killing it over there at Star Trek Discovery. Go Star Trek. Okay, we'll have to check it out. All right, guys. Well, that's it um, for this week. We'll come back next week, I promise. Because now that we have Uncle Josie all set up, then we'll be able to to get going. Uh, do you want to add anything? How was your first episode? Uh, I've got very used to it. <laughs> yeah. Shy. Um, you have nothing. You are not shy at all, sir. I am not. That's why I was like. Okay. Well, stay safe. Fly safe. And we'll see you guys next time. Look at you. Look at you. Bye. Bye.